written to the Colossians, found in our New Testament. We'll be looking in this first chapter. going to read verses 1 to 8 of this first chapter. This letter to be written by Paul uh, to this church in, in Colossae, uh, not too far from Ephesians. This church is believed to have not been visited by Paul, but they had known of him and heard of him. And we can definitely see they have heard of his word. Let us open up our, our, our ears and our hearts as we read through this letter. First starting with these first eight verses. Reads this way from the King James Version. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our, fa our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel which is common to you as it is in all the world and bringing forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love, in the spirit, praise God for his words. You may be seated as you take your seat. You can help me announce uh, to your neighbor a hope stored up in heaven. Amen. Amen. Help me out. Tell your other neighbor, tell him hope stored up in heaven. Looking at this text, we're going to highlight three principles Paul points out to be evident in our Christian walk, faith, love, and hope. This should be uh, evidence of your walk in Christ that people ought to know of your faith, know of your love, and you should tell them of your hope. Paul writes to them reason because somebody told them about their faith. We look here that he's excited about how I have heard of your faith. Many of us need to look upon and do a survey of our life and wonder, has anybody heard of your faith? Do you have to tell them or can they see it for themselves? The saying goes that actions speak louder than words. Well, we see here that their faith has been demonstrated. They were not talking about it. They were being about it. They are walking out their faith. We say it many times. We hear it oftentimes at funerals that we walk by faith and not by sight. reason why we say that funeral is because it goes on to talk about how our, our home is in heaven. And that's where that text is coming from. But yet we need to realize that if I'm truly walking by faith and not by sight, I'm showing somebody that I am not 
engage and involve in my life based on this world, on what I can see, but it's based on the heavenlies, which I cannot see. Amen. If you can go back into the chronicles of the messages, we talked one time about a weight of glory. The weight of glory means that this temporal body, this temporal vessel, what I am going through, it does not compare to the eternal that's in heaven. The temporal says we can see, the eternal we cannot see. And so when we are walking by faith, I'm showing somebody that the world teaches us how to love money, but God told us teach me how to love people. The world teaches how, how can I be number one, but the word teach me how to make him number one. When, when, when the world is showing us how you can be the best, this, best, that, best, that, when the Bible teaches how can you be the best slave, many of us realize that when you say the word slave, we don't want to be that. Uh, a slave doesn't get paid. A slave doesn't get recognition. A slave does not get a plaque. A slave doesn't get a trophy. A slave doesn't get a building named after them. A slave doesn't get a raise. But yet a slave in the kingdom of God is the best thing you can be. But that's walking by faith. Trusting that the world has things to offer here, but yet these things are worth nothing. Faith means that I believe, God, what you have for me outweighs what this world is even trying to offer me. So when once faith is noticed, they start realizing that you don't walk and talk like everybody else. Your demonstration, your communication has changed. You show that you have ethical behavior. You show that you are a faithful. Hello. And that's something that's sad that that's a strange word in a marriage, being faithful. Many of those magazines are sold on infidelity. Every time I'm checking out at the, at the grocery store, there's always a new couple up talking about they got a secret affair somewhere. What, what is wrong in this world that everything seems to be broken about because of tr mistrust and, and illusions of flesh and, and delusions of grandeur thing and things are greater or it's all about them when Jesus is pointing out to us that if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross to follow after me. Tell your neighbor, that takes faith. It, it takes faith to put myself last and put somebody else first. Some of us have realized that and when you put yourself last, you sometimes get forget, forgotten. You did everything for everybody else. And by the time you sit down to eat your meal, by the time it's time for you to do something, it's either cold or it's gone or it's not enough left. But everybody else is happy, got a smile on their face. Oh, thank you. So no, it was good. But you were last. But yet Jesus is pointing out to us that to be last is to be first. When we put this faith into action, look what happens. Look what happens. He says, your faith has been demonstrated, follow, follow how the text goes, because of your love for all the saints. Y'all see that? He says, your faith has been demonstrated by how you love the saints. Can I help somebody out that Jesus has pointed out to us that we're not just to love those who are like us, but we're supposed to love those who are not like us and those who dislike us. <laughs> That when we love somebody, it's not based on what they can do for us or what we can do for them, but it's based on what we are doing for him. Right. When we love, we are demonstrating the faith we have in Jesus. 
That means that we're trusting Jesus' teaching to teaching us how we ought to love our enemies. Oh, that's a rough thing to swallow. I'm supposed to love the one that gets on my last nerves. Love the one that's always messing with me, the one that's always teasing me, the one that's always bothering me. Why do I have to love that person? Uh, that person's not even worthy of my love. They don't deserve my love. Matter of fact, they don't deserve my time. But the problem is that you give them more time when you hate them than you do when you love them. Because if you look at it, right, the people that we love are the times the people we, re- we neglect and forget. But the people we hate, that's who we talk about the most. I can't stand so-and-so. Every time you want to talk about them, especially when you get around somebody you love, right, you talk about the person you hate. <laughs> you get up to your friends, talking about, this so-and-so getting your last nerves, you know, that, that's how it goes because they, they have, have already grasped a portion of your emotion and have distracted you from the things you ought to be concerned about. But Jesus tells us how we ought to bless and what? curse not. We ought to pray for those who persecute us. And, and when you turn it over to Jesus, and I got a witness here, that when you turn it over to Jesus, he makes everything all right. And so that's why we need to turn it over to him and put it in his hands. And say, Lord, I'm getting stressed out, but I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to put it in your hands. Lord, this person getting on my last nerves, but Lord, they get on your last nerves. I know they get on your nerves, so I'm going to put them in your hand. Because when we stop trying to control it, when we start trying to handle it, and we put it in the one who can handle it, it's amazing how you have peace. Jesus taught his disciples this in John 13 and 35. That they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. People will know of your faith by how you love. Because <laughs> there's some people out there that say they are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, but have no love in them. Let me help somebody out. We, we, we've been there before. Might invite me right in here. Help me, Lord Jesus. Someone say they love Jesus in the same breath they talk about the person sitting next to them. How is it that you love Jesus, but you talking about how so-and-so getting your last nerves? You talking about how so-and-so it shouldn't be up there singing, so-and-so shouldn't be up there praying, so-and-so taking too long, it don't take all that, why they shouting? You saying you love Jesus, but you are so critical of those who are around you. I'm going to throw this one in for free. We, we often crit- critique people, but we don't do the proper critique. See, when we, crit- when we critique somebody, you're supposed to improve them, not knock them down. Amen. But somebody thinks to their minds that when I critique you, I ought to tell you how bad you are. But I give you no points to show how you can be good. Critique is to point out the positive and show you how you can improve, not to tear down and to destroy. But we think we know what we're doing because we are so good. Uh, we are so great, but yet we are so terrible. On our best days, we're nothing but filthy rags. Uh, we, 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 we need to realize that only by his grace uh, we have been saved. And so when we place our faith in him, we realize I am a sinner saved by grace. I need to show somebody else some grace and some mercy because God showed up has been good to me. So let me demonstrate my faith, hallelujah, how I love you, how I pray for you, how I am concerned about you. 
When we have faith in Jesus, that means I'm trusting your teaching. And Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. Then he goes on to say, we talked about 13.5 of John, the, the gospel of John. He's 13.35 is saying this, that they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Tell your neighbor, you ought to love one another. Now, now, some of us try to get around it, talking about how I, 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 I like you, but I don't love you. Let me help somebody that, that, that you, you got to love them and like them. It got to go off because when you don't like somebody, you just don't care about them. Love is not based on emotion. Love is not based on affinity. Love is a decision, a choice that you made. I said, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to the command that you have given me. And do it even if you don't like it. Because he tells the disciples that they need to hold on to his teachings. And the teaching of love was evident. He taught us even much so that you ought to bear fruit and, 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 and be my disciple. That when we bear fruit, Cassius, Cassius, when we bear fruit, when we bear fruit, people see the fruit. So in order for somebody to know of your faith, they need to see the fruit of your faith. And the fruit of your faith should be your love to one another. And I said that we ought to love even those who we like and those who we dislike and those who dislike us. That's why Jesus gave that great parable on what we are familiar with, the good Samaritan. We're familiar with the good Samaritan, right? A lawyer came up to him talking about how we ought to, you know, I heard you say that good rule is go to road, love your neighbor as yourself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, here you go again, but I got a good one for you now, Jesus. Uh, who's my neighbor? Uh, he set him up. Your neighbor is your Samaritan, the ones you dislike, the ones you hate, the ones you malign, the ones you say don't worship right, the ones who don't worship like you worship, the ones who don't walk like you walk, talk like you talk. Don't, you don't even welcome them in the temple. Those are the ones who are your neighbor. That's who you need to take care of. The Samaritan was the hero in the story, and so he asked them which one was a, was a, a, a good neighbor, which one showed love. The, the Jew could not form his lips to say Samaritan, he just simply said the one who took care of him. He didn't want to say Samaritan. He wanted to address, Jesus was specific on who the hero was, but he says the one that was kind. He, didn't, he couldn't even form his lips to realize that, man, that's a hard thing. The, these Samaritans, we don't like. Some of us need to help ourselves out that there's some people that we don't like because they don't worship like we worship, talk like we talk, sing like we sing, dress like we dress, walk like we walk. But yet Bible is showing us that we ought to love them Anyway, how can, we, how can we be a church? How can we be a body of believers when we make people feel exp uh, not comfortable when they come into worship? When, when we hear their denomination, we frown up in the face. You can search the Bible all you want. You won't find any denominations in there. But you're sure not going to find out that the called out believers are the body of Christ. And that how we ought to love one another. He says, love the saints. What I like about this part, he says the saints. You know, that word saints in the Greek, you see, is where the word holy. And it basically saying the holy ones. And, and why are the saints the holy ones? Or why are they the faithful brother? Well, one, they serve the holy one. He is God. And God says, I am holy. Ye need to be holy. This is not a new uh, uh, thought in Christian, in Christian walk because Jesus told his disciples, be ye holy for your father in heaven is holy. But that goes back to God telling Moses to tell the people that you ought to be holy for, your, for I am 
holy. And we are called to be, no, now the problem that we have is that when we hear holy, we mean to, to live without sin and not mess up. Yes, that is the goal. That is what we ought to strive to. But also to be holy is not just that you are, are sin-free, but holy means that you are no longer living in sin. That means you've been chosen and called out from the, from, the, from the darkness to live in his marvelous life. That means that you're no longer cursing and lying and doing all those things that are of the world. Because, no, your faith is not being demonstrated by how you're walking out and saying, Lord, since you are holy, I desire to be holy. So I am moving away from the things that are dragging and tearing me down. And I'm coming closer to your great love that you have shown upon me. And this great love, look what has happened. This great love that has oppressed in me and impacted me has given me a hope. Y'all see that in the text? He says, your faith, I heard of your faith because your love for the saints, and this all comes from your hope. Y'all see that right there in the text? This all comes from your hope that is stored up, kept in a safe place in heaven. We are familiar, seek ye not. You know, no, you know, you know see, I'm sorry, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things will be what? Added on to you. Store your treasures where? In heaven where the moth <laughs> cannot destroy, the thief cannot steal. Where's one place to keep your stuff safe? In a safe place. Where's the safest place? Can't nobody be God. And so look at how this hope. We sang that hymn earlier, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but holy lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You see how when the saints have faith, it produces love. Based on the hope <laughs> they have in the heavens. And you know who's in the heavens. Hallelujah. The heavens is the throne of God. And we know now that they didn't, that they too know then that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so if he is at the right hand of the Father, we need to think about why is he at the right hand of the Father. I'm glad you asked, why is he at the right hand of the Father? Because I so never wanted to tell you. <laughs> He's at the right hand of the Father because of the things he did on this earth. He came down to show us the faith and showed us love. He showed us love. Did he not show us love? What greater love is this than a man to lay his life down for a friend? Anybody here a friend of God? I'm so glad I'm a friend of God. But before I was a friend of God, you know, I was an enemy of God. Anybody here could claim to be an enemy of God? <laughs> and Cassius, Cassius, I was an enemy of God so much, so he loved me enough while I was still an enemy of him, while I was still a sinner, yet he died for us. Why did he die for us? Because he loves us. Oh, that's what love is. Love is doing something for those who hate you, that are mistreating you, and being mean to you, but yet you still show them love. Oh, thank you, Jesus, because I needed that demonstration, because there's times that people I do love her. They get on my last nerve and I want to do some evil things to them. But Jesus showed me that even when I was evil, 
He was doing good things to me. What are some good things? Uh, he kept you alive long enough. Uh, he kept you here long enough that you can say, Jesus, uh, you are my Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your grace uh, and your mercy. And so look, look what happened. That This hope that we have did not just come because somebody made it up, but it came from fact. Look at the fact. His word, which is truth. Saying, say, saying you, your hope is based on this word, which is validated, which is truth, which is grace that has come. And I'm so glad that look here, look here, Paul. This is one thing I like about Paul. Paul said, not trying to brag and be braggadocious. He said, because Epaphras heard it from me. He said, no, you heard it from Epaphras. <laughs> Somebody else told you of this truth, which we agree in and we have a commonality in. Sometimes we need to realize that we need to give credit what credit is due. Someone exposed you to Jesus Christ. You ought to thank that person for giving me that truth. You ought to tell that person, thank you for preaching and teaching to me and encouraging me. Paul letting them know that this, this fellow servant, this fellow slave in the ministry of Jesus Christ with me has told me of your faith. He has seen your fruit and health. Look at this. Look at this. No greater joy it is from a teacher or a preacher of the word to see fruit in those who are hearing the truth. Paph was excited to tell Paul this, 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 this gospel is moving forward. And, and look, he says the fruit, the fruit is happening to you as it is around the world. Now, I just want to highlight, he says around the world, it might be an exaggeration. It may be that way because we know it's not necessarily around the world. But he's pointing out that the fruit of the word of God is going to impact you as it does in other places. Which means this, that when the word of God is in your heart, the evidence that's in your life will be evidence in somebody else's life. Therefore, they too can look at you and see God is doing something in your life. And so when our hope is stored up in heaven because of what Christ did on this earth to be seated at the right hand, have all things under authority, we start realizing that my life is based on him. And so I'm not caught up with this earthly stuff because this will pass away, but I'm caught up with my faith and my love and my hope in him, based on his word, based on his truth. And you know, you know, you know this word, right? This word that came down from heaven. This word that's been existing since the earth, before the earth even existed. This word holds this world together. This word is truth. It is fact. It's not something whimsical. It can be proven and it has been defended over and over again. You know, over these 2,000 centuries that we have been proclaiming, preaching this word of God, many have come trying to discredit it and tell you that it's a lie. Paul writes this letter to encourage them that there's some false teachers out there trying to get us and not to believe in this truth. But yet you see the evidence. Tell your neighbor you, see, you can see the evidence. How can you see the evidence? The evidence is that when you got peace in the morning, <laughs> when you have joy, when everybody else is sad all around you, when, when you realize that my hope is not as those who have no hope, but I have a hope that is everlasting. Can I help somebody out? That when you have your hope stored up in heaven, it is, it, it, it is, it is getting more maturity than your bonds, <laughs> than, a, than a certified deposit. You know how people think they put money in a bank that is secure? But you know a bank has limits? It says we will insure your account up to this amount of money. So you could put $2 million in, but it says if we get robbed, you're only going to get 250000 back. That's why those rich folks got many bank accounts. 
Because they try to keep on all their money. Throw this one in for free. You know you can't take it with you. It's like that rich man that told his wife, honey, I want you to bury me with my money. And the wife promised him on the deathbed, I'm going to bury you with your money. Huh? And so her girlfriends got mad at her saying, honey, you, you showing up, didn't bury me with the money. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was faithful. I was faithful. I wrote him a check. <laughs> you can't take it with you. And so some of you are so caught up with this world, having their hope and trust in this. And Cassis, 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 we know this for a fact, that when we put money in the bank, right? We work hard for the money, put the money in the bank. But yet the money we have in the bank, we start using credit cards. <laughs> and we start buying stuff we can't afford. And next, th next time you know you go to the bank and find out you have nothing stored. Can I help somebody out that when you say you have your hope in the Lord, but yet you living in the world and you're living a reckless life, people are going to find out that you're running on empty. You have nothing in store because if your hope is in him, it changes how you start dealing with stuff. You start realizing that no longer am I living for me. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me because what I've been crucified with him. I'm, I've died with him. I'm no longer living. So allow your faith be demonstrated by how you walk, how you talk, how you take care of your health, how you take care of your wealth. You manage all of those finances, the money, your life, your relationships based on Christ's principles. And when that love starts working itself out, it's overflowing from the hope that comes from heaven and the hope that comes from heaven will never disappoint us because he cannot disappoint us he said of love us he tells us mercy and goodness to follow us he tells us how, how he will never leave us nor forsake us he tells us how he has sealed us until the day of redemption with the power of the Holy Spirit he tells us how we can do greater things he tells us anything we ask for him in his name, he'll give it to us. And so when we have this kind of hope based on something that is sure and founded, more secure than a bank can ever be, we can realize that nothing would deplete our funds. And when you know, you know, you know you spend money differently when you got money in the bank, don't you? You know, you know when you have money in the bank, you don't look at price tags. If you want, you buy it. Because you know you have money in the bank. When you go out to eat, you don't, you don't look at the menu price. You look at what's good to eat. But when you don't have money, you look at the prices. Can I help somebody out? That, that you got Jesus. And since he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, since the world and the fullness of the earth are his, anything you need, God got it. And so you can walk around with a different mindset because your faith is based on him. Your love is based on him. So you can love on people who won't be loving towards you back, knowing that he's going to fill me up. <laughs> you, you might drain me out, but he's going to fill me back up because I sure know I'm going to need some more love tomorrow dealing with you because you know you get on my last nerves. But God going to give me some love today <laughs> to make it through. Anybody here glad that he doesn't run out? You can always go back to the treasury and he can fill you back up to give you some more love, give you some more mercy, some more grace some more patience. Anybody here need some more patience? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you can go back to the stores and say, Lord, I need some more today. God said, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I'm going to leave you alone with this. We know cell phones are now selling those data packages. 
and they tell you how much gigabytes you can use, and they limit you when you get to it, but you know, they tell you it's unlimited, but they limit what your unlimited is. <laughs> how can something be unlimited when you reach a certain level, they limit how much you can get? That's not unlimited. Unlimited means that it'll overflow. <laughs> we live in a world that people tell you one thing, but they regulate it. Tell you how much you can get. But our God says, I have given you this. And there's no limits. He gave us this earth. He wants us to have life and have it more abundantly. He's given us principles of how to do so by following his love. And so when we apply it to our lives, look what happens. Look what happens. We have no limits. And Cassius, we will overflow. And when we overflow, you can share with somebody. Anybody here ever shared your minutes with somebody else? You get that family plan, you share those minutes. Aren't you glad you share those minutes? You don't worry, but you can talk all day. Go ahead, keep on talking. I ain't going to lose any minutes. Because <laughs> back in the day, people would tell, call me back for because you got free incoming. I'm busy. Call me back. <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Because you got free income. You trying to use up. But yet, God has given us so much so we don't have to worry about circumstances and limitations that I won't run out because God has given us enough. His grace is sufficient. His love is everlasting. So when we realize when my hope is based on him, I have faith. I have love that is not misplaced, that will endure, that will stand and catch it. It's enough for you because it's enough for me. And what God has given me will be enough for you. Anybody here been here because it was somebody else's prayer? It was somebody else's love? It was enough to bring you through? That's what God gives it to us because you realize that we need to be there one another for each other's saints. That there's some saints out there that need your love. They need your favor. They need your encouragement and God has given you enough to lift them up because when you come together, hallelujah I'm getting excited now, because when you come together, that's when people see that power, they see that strength and they start hearing all that faith and look what they're going to do, they're going to start running to you and say, what can I do to be saved how can I have peace, I just lost my job, how can I have peace you can let them know that God can take care of you my family is falling apart. What can I do? You let them know. Just put it in the Lord's hands. My marriage is on the rocks. Well, put it on the solid rock. <laughs> we can find out uh, that when you put it in the Lord's hands. And we surrender unto him. It's amazing how things change. So our faith, our love is based on our hope in him. And when we, push our hope, when we put our hope in him, we have nothing to lose. Let's turn to him for prayer. Lord, we just thank you for being our hope, for being our all in all, for being the father to the fatherless, being a home to a homeless. Father, you are peace. You are love. You are the mighty counselor. And God, we are grateful that no matter what we go through, you will see us through. And Lord, we desire to show this world that we are your children for how we walk by faith and not by sight. And how we show our love to all that we meet. And may we forever be encouraged by our hope, which is placed in you. And Father, we thank you for our confidence. 
that we have in you because you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and you are forever true. And for that, Lord, we are grateful. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Father, we pray that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and died on the cross for their sins and rose again from the grave, and they shall be saved. Lord, there might be someone here looking for a church home. Lord, we, we open up these doors of this fellowship and pray, Lord, if you have them to be here, we will surround them and encourage them and love on them and be the body of Christ you call us to be. Father, have your way, we pray. Move in our hearts. Hold your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. May we stand. Extend the hand of discipleship.